Before we get started, a quick disclosure. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing here is an offer or a solicitation to buy or sell any investment. And with that, hello and welcome to the Range of Capital podcast. This is a 15-minute long podcast, and the clock starts now. I'm Andrew Walker, a portfolio manager a portfolio manager at Rangely, and with me as always is my co-host and Rangely's founder, Chris Demuth. It is Wednesday, May 4th. Uh, Chris, it was a crazy week for M&A last week. On Thursday in particular, more than $50 billion in potential M&A was launched slash announced. So there were a ton of deals to talk about. I think kind of the three big deals last Thursday were the beginnings of the bidding war for Medivation, uh, Comcast deal to buy DreamWorks at a big premium, and the $25 billion mega merger between Abbott and St. Jude. And so, Chris, why don't you kick us off by talking about the Medivation bidding war? Uh, let's talk prostates. <laughs> so uh, they have a prostate cancer drug that works. Mm-hmm. They did $2 billion of revenue last year. Mm-hmm. And it is one of these situations not where the company is kind of gambling the future on a future FDA approval. It's one where you have a darn good present mm-hmm. that could be even a lot better with a broader uh, applicability of the drug. Uh, for other purposes. Yep, so this is a prostate cancer drug, and we're only going to try to say it once because we've read it a million times and never actually said it. Extandy, I think is how you pronounce it. That's probably wrong. But uh, it did $2 billion in revenue last year. They you know, it's they partnered with someone, so they got about a billion dollars from it. And it's an extremely expensive but extremely offense, uh, effective cancer drug. It costs about $130,000 for it. And actually, in March, Bernie Sanders signed a petition asking the FDA to take away their patent because they were charging too much money for it. Uh, but, you know, ever since Bernie Sanders came on and asked them to take away the patent, uh, kind of big pharma has been circling – uh, circling rumors that they were going to make a big an offer to acquire them for a big premium. Last Thursday, the big premium kind of came in, and Sanofi said, "Hey, we'd like to buy you for about fifty-two dollars and fifty cents per share." Uh, this morning, Pfizer came in and said, "Hey, if you don't like them, we'll offer you fifty-two fifty a share." So, why don't you talk about how the bidding war is heating up and what's going to happen from here? Sure. In terms of where it came from, you know, investors are responsible for doing their own work, but the price came from about thirty-seven. Mm-hmm. So, if you do your own work and you say it's three or three hundred, you know, if you're off by an order of magnitude. Double check your work. It's probably a reasonable place to start if you have three seconds to think about the downside. Yep. Now you have a first bidder, uh, Sanofi, uh, fifty-two fifty, mm-hmm. a kind of a reasonable. Let's get the conversation started. Uh, uh, they walk up to Medivation in a bar and say, "How about fifty-two fifty? And they're trying to get that going. Uh, Nine point three billion dollars overall. Um, and uh, now you have a bidding war with a second bidder uh, in Pfizer. Yep. So uh, that's exactly right. Like like you said, their stock price was thirty seven dollars the day before. This would be you know kind of a forty percent premium if it mm-hmm. was done at fifty two fifty, which is a very generous premium for M and A multiples. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. And, and it's reasonable when you kind of go through this dance that you have several moves. Planned, mm-hmm. it would be consistent with my understanding uh, if they say fifty-two fifty, and they're willing to discuss sixty. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the perspective of the targets board, there is something that any economist would tell them: you're not allowed to look at sunk costs. Why don't we hit the sunk costs in a second? I just sure. want to wrap this up. So, oh, sorry, all, just on the bidding. So, Pfizer's got an offer out there now. Sanofi has an offer. 
Uh, rumors are that a, kind of a who's who of Big Pharma will be interested. Roche, Bayer, Novartis, AstraZeneca. Uh, the reason they're also interested in this is Big Pharma doesn't have a lot of really good cancer treatments right. in the pipeline. And obviously, this is a really good cancer treatment. Mm-hmm. And just last week, AbbVie bought Stemcentrix, I believe it is, for about $6 billion. So th- they're really targeting the cancer space. Now, why don't you jump in and talk a little bit more about the sunk costs and why they might be hesitant to sell? Two issues. Yeah. One, they traded as high as 65 or so last year. Mm-hmm. Board members, when their stock price hits a certain level they kind of mentally account for it their future retirement plans their boat lengths and everything (laughs) else are highly correlated to the highest price their stock ever went now no buyer is responsible for that number it's completely arbitrary but if you need to get board approval if you want to get something friendly you're gonna have to offer at least 65 in in 2010 2011 there was when we were coming out of the financial crisis a a big uh kind of gate to deals where people stock prices were at 20 and somebody to come in and say hey we'll give you 25 or 30 and they'd say uh, in 2007, our stock price was 40. We're not selling to you now. So, you know, they were looking back at a time long, long ago, but it was a big gate. Go ahead. And, and, Andrew, you have a problem. I'm in a hole. <laughs> and your problem is you have to get me out of this hole that I'm in. Yep. Uh, which, which, of course, in reality is nobody else's problem but theirs. So, However, it is a problem if you want to convince them to do it friendly. It is a problem. And I think what the board will say is on top of their big cancer drug, They've got two kind of phase one and phase two drugs where if you start giving them value for that plus the synergies plus the cancer drug, you can get to a price of $65 to $70. The drawback is going to be that most analysts and most companies are apparently looking at those pipeline drugs and saying, there's not really much there. We don't really want to give you any value for that. So it'll be an interesting debate. Why don't you talk about uh, if they should sell and how you think this plays out, Chris? Uh, They should sell. Mm -hmm. And the reason is all corporate assets should go immediately to their best, highest use. Yep. Uh, In the case of pharma, you go to where the commercialization and sales process has the lowest cost. Exactly. You know, these guys have these huge sales forces. And if you're sending... uh, uh, you know, uh, ex jocks around the country in Buicks. You know, there's always a little extra space in the trunk. Throw a few more drugs in there. Meet with docs, and uh, so they should sell, and they should sell for the high bidder. Yeah, exactly. If somebody came in and gave us the patent to their cancer drug tomorrow, we could say, "Woohoo, we're rich!" But it doesn't mean we should go out and build a nationwide sales force and sell it. We should just turn around and go sell it to exactly the people who are looking to buy this because they've already got the sales force. They'll create the most synergies. And, and, and there's two issues. One is, where's the best, highest use? And I feel it's wholly responsible to one's shareholders mm-hmm. to fixate on that question. What is best? Yep, yep. Not, do I get the payoff structure I want, which is kind of a selfish and should not be considered a concern. Uh, however, uh, you can even solve the payoff structure. Yep. The payoff structure is, I kind of know it's worth 60 yep. per share. I hope, I think it might be worth 80. It could be worth 90, but that should be deeply discounted, highly uncertain. There are ways that you can deal with that too. So, so what you're referring to is these pipeline drugs that mm-hmm. the board might be saying, hey, with the pipeline drugs, we're worth 70, not 60. Mm-hmm. And buyers might be saying, we don't give you any value. There's an answer to that. Yep. It's called a contingent value right. And basically what it says, very simplified is, hey, if those pipeline drugs, if they pay off big, we'll give your shareholders extra money two or three years from now. If not, 
we value met zero, and it's a great way to kind of bridge the gap between these unknown big differences. I, I actually, at one point, I can describe this briefly, owned an operating business that I sold largely for a CVR contingent value, right? And it had a number of great uh, attributes to it. One, in terms of the moral hazard, you have uh, the seller buying into the reality of what they're claiming. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, it really allows kind of founder operators to stay involved. And then third and finally, there's a great accounting trick to it. It's a very tax efficient way to minimize taxes yep. if you're, uh, and for the buyer to say it is accretive to earnings because they can backload a lot of the costs. Yep, great. So unless we have anything there, why don't nope. we run over to uh, DreamWorks Comcast? And I'll, I'll kick us off there. Yep. So last Thursday, uh, it came out that Comcast is buying DreamWorks for $41 per share. And that's a huge premium to their pre-deal price. DreamWorks has kind of traded in the mid-20s for almost the entire last year. So the question is, why is Comcast, which is generally thought of as a big cable company, a few years ago they tried to buy Time Warner Cable and were blocked by regulators, why are they buying uh, DreamWorks? And the answer is, they're trying to follow the Disney playbook. Uh, Disney, as you know, they own ABC, Marvel, Marvel Movie Studios, Pixar, they make their own famous Disney movies. Well, a few years ago, Comcast bought NBC, so now they have the TV stations. They already own Universal Studios, which makes Fast and Furious and Pitch Perfect. And now they have two animation studios. They own Illumination, which makes Despicable Me and Minions. And now they own DreamWorks, which makes Kung Fu Panda, Shrek, all of those things. And where they're really seeing synergies is uh, Comcast, like Disney, makes a lot of theme parks. And the way you make a theme park successful is you put in a lot of children, family-friendly characters. And DreamWorks has a lot of family-friendly characters. Uh, You know, Disney, they load the Pixar movies and the Frozen movies into the theme parks. Now Comcast can put Shrek, Kung Fu Panda, the minions from Illumination into there. And uh, it's very interesting. Comcast is actually building out a Chinese theme park right now. And Kung Fu Panda and How to Train Your Dragons are DreamWorks properties that are just hugely popular in China and will really help get that uh, theme park kickstarted. So, Chris, any thoughts on this deal? Uh, no, but I wanted to ask what your favorite of those cartoons is. My favorite is I am such a huge fan of the first How to Train Your Dragon. I thought that one was awesome. I'm a big Frozen fan, and it's not a uh, cartoon, but we mentioned Pitch Perfect by Universal Studios, and I think I've seen that movie an embarrassing amount of times. Uh, what about you? I love pretty much all cartoons. I particularly like Despicable Me. Oh, Despicable Me is great. You know, I haven't seen Minions. Maybe we'll have to watch Minions uh, in the office one day. Or maybe next time I spend the night over at your place, I'll watch it there. Yeah. Uh, The only other thing I wanted to mention, a lot of people are looking at the, you know, DreamWorks as a studio didn't make a lot of EBITDA, a lot of earnings. And people said, oh, Comcast is paying a huge amount for them. A, we talked about all the synergies in making theme parks going forward. And B, I think the other thing is, DreamWorks was run by movie mogul, movie mogul uh, Jeff Katzenberg, who I think is great. Uh, but the rumor is that he ran DreamWorks despite being a very small company. He ran it like it was a major movie studio. So there's probably all sorts of costs to cut out. Anyone who's read up on on any of the media moguls will know that you can probably cut a lot of costs when you buy a company from them. So I wouldn't be too concerned with the multiple. I think uh, this is going to be turn out to be a great buy for Comcast. Anything else there? Or- nope. Why don't you hop on over to the Abbott St. Jude mega merger then? 
This has been one long uh, rumored, mm-hmm. uh, finally announced. Uh, it combines the leader uh, in Heart Stunts, Abbott, with the leader in Pacemakers and Heart Valves, St. Jude. Yep. So every year, uh, you know, we've mentioned analyst reports or as shareholders, there are some deals that we hope happen with our companies. And once a year, you would see a shareholder of Abbott who said, God, I hope at some point they buy St. Jude. That just makes way too much sense. Or you see, way too much sense. Or you see an analyst put out a uh, research report saying these guys can combine and there's going to be huge synergies. But what I think is interesting is shareholders finally kind of got the deal they'd been dreaming for, and Abbott shares were down 10% on the deal announcement. So why don't you talk about the kind of be careful what you wish for there? Well, when we're investing, we frequently say and think about that the right price can solve for a lot of qualitative problems. The wrong price can lead to a lousy outcome for investors, even with great qualitative strategic uh, deals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they paid a full price, 37%. Premium for St. Jude. Uh, and uh, interestingly, there's always this funny feedback reaction if people hate the buyers uh, from the buyer's perspective, the deal. You, you know, if you're overpaid, you then lose some of the back with a strongly harsh reaction to the buyer's equity. If you are underpaid, you can get it back uh, in, in the other direction. So, so let me just say what you're referring to. A lot of mergers, including this one, ha- are, have a stock component to the deal. Mm-hmm. So your stock is at 10, my stock's at 10. I say, hey, I'll give you one share of my stock for your stock. Mm-hmm. And uh, if my stock, if people love the deal and my stock goes up to 20, well, your stock isn't worth just 10 anymore. It's worth 22. If people hate the deal and my stock goes down to five, you get stock worth five. In this case, Abbott stock was down 10%. So St. Jude, originally the deal was kind of for 80 or 82 or something. Now the deal's for 76 because the stock part was down 10%. Which also, uh, I, and I do not think it's going to happen here, but that also can bring in other buyers if the old a dollar value yep. is what they were think, contemplating, and then it kind of softens from there. Um, so uh, that, that that's one of the impacts. So yeah, no, it's uh, um, it is a qualitatively great deal, quantitatively fully priced, and the market's been punishing them for that. Just jumping to the stock price going down can lead other buyers in. We talked about Starwood Hotels Marriott a lot on this deal on this uh, podcast, and one of the things that let uh, OnBank come in and bid again was at the time that Starwood and Marriott announced their original deal, uh, Marriott Star, Marriott shares valued Starwood at kind of 80 per share, and the Marriott shares lost 25% of their value. So Starwood's shares went from 80 to about 65, and that let OnBank come in and said, hey, we offered you $75 in cash before and kind of got beat up by an $80 offer, but now that $80 offer is worth 65 Is our $75 in cash good now? And that's what made Marriott have to come back and raise their bid. So exactly what you're saying. Stock price down and stock for stock deals can result in a bidder coming over the top. Uh, We've got about 30, 30, 45 seconds. Anything else you want to talk about? I'm long a little bit of St. Jude. Oh, you're busting through the disclosures. I am not long any prostate medicine. I'm long DreamWorks and I'm long... Pretty much every single one of their movies. You know, I'm just going to throw... I love their movies. I'm long there too. I'm just going to throw this out there. I don't have a position in anything we've talked about today, but DreamWorks, I think it is interesting on two aspects. A, there's a slight, slight chance of a DOJ review, I think, because they own some online streaming and they license some stuff to Netflix. I also wonder if there's a chance that one of the other uh, studios comes in with a topping bid for DreamWorks when they see that... uh, Comcast is going to take them off the market because there aren't a lot of studios out there. This is pretty much the only 
children's animation studio and someone might just feel this lack of scarcity premium. I don't think it's likely at all, but if it does happen, I will trumpet this podcast around till the end of time. Just uh, throwing that out there, disclosing that. Okay, 10 more seconds. Anything else, Chris? I have nothing, Tab. Okay, I've got nothing that I'm long. You hit your disclosures, so that's all the time we have for today. Uh, just a reminder, if you like this podcast, please be sure to follow and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Audioboom. If you have any feedback for us, please feel free to email it to us at podcast at rangelycapital.com. That's it for today, and we'll talk to you soon.